Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? Buonasera, Sam. I'm okay. I'm, I'm feeling a bit uh, disappointed about the results this week, but um, generally okay. Well, yeah, we're going to get on to, uh, of course, all the European action in a moment. Um, but good to have you on as always. And Emmett Gates, how are you doing, Emmett? Yeah, doing well. Um, how are you doing? Good, to be back, good to be back on the show. Yeah, hey. good to have you on. Good to have you on. Okay, and um, so we're going to start. As I said, we're going to we're going to normally we'd be covering the Serie A fixtures, but this week with the with the timing of the podcast, recording this on Friday night, we're going to cover the European action. Uh, so, Francesco, I'm going to come to you first. And Tuesday night, um, Milan still were in with a chance of getting through to the last sixteen in the Champions League, but it didn't go their way, did it? They they ended up losing two one to Liverpool and actually finished bottom of the group, uh, so they won't be playing in Europe after Christmas. How do you sort of assess their overall Champions League campaign? Because coming into this year, they they've been out of it for about seven years, haven't they? I think I I expected Milan to not qualify from this group. They, they ha- it was the toughest group and um, that's how it played out. I think there were some moments of, of real, that gave me real optimism about them. Um, the way they played against Atletico in both games, um, even in the game they lost that, that first 30 minutes before Kessier got sent off, I, I think they really dominated Atletico. They deserved to be in the lead. And I, I think they were extremely lu- unlucky to lose that match. For me, the VAR penalty at the end is is the worst decision I've ever seen given by a VAR. So, you know, that, that cost me a bit. But um, I do feel a bit disappointed as well because whilst I didn't expect them to go through, um, I thought they could have finished third, uh, maybe, and um, at least been a bit more competitive. And I think the games against Porto especially were a bit disappointing. I don't think we saw the real Milan and to pick up Whilst I think Porto are a very, very solid European side, to pick up one point from those games in such a tough group, you know, they were never going to go through after that. Um, I, I think it, it is, it's not really an opportunity missed in terms of this Champions League, because like I say, I expect them to go out. And I think even if they'd gone through, it would have been tough for them to go deep in this competition. But I do think in terms of, of their whole kind of European campaigns going forward the fact that they've gone out of Europe altogether and that means they won't have a chance to build their coefficient that is going to mean that most likely they will get if they qualify again for the Champions League they're going to get a tough group again next year so I think going out of European competition altogether not getting into that European uh, to the uh, Europa League uh, is a bit of a missed opportunity more for for their future campaigns in the Champions League which will probably be almost as tough as this one uh, you know going forwards. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned a missed opportunity there because, as you say, on paper, this was the most difficult group. Um, but, Emmett, I want to come to you on this. Um, this isn't the Atletico side that we've seen over the last, you know, seven or eight years. It, it, it doesn't seem any, anywhere near as impressive. And Porto, you know, a, a little bit hit and miss. They've looked OK in a couple of games, but also, you know, Liverpool, you know, ran right against them uh, in, in their games as well. Do, do you sense that maybe Milan could well have got in the top two? Liverpool ran away a bit, but could they have got ahead of Atletico and Porto if, if they'd just you know, been a bit more clinical, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> now that it's all said and done, you kind of think, like, 
all three teams actually none of them deserved to go through because they were all three of them were horrible. You know, Liverpool ran away with that group. I know I most expected Liverpool to run away with it, but not to win six out of six and look miles better than all three of them. Like if if you could have said right. None of these three teams deserve to go through. You'd say right, that's fair enough, but one of someone else had to join Liverpool in the next round, and it just was Atletico. And granted, I am not a big watcher of La Liga, but Atletico were unbelievably poor in the two games against Milan, and especially the game at San Siro. Like it was daylight robbery how they managed to win that game. I don't know how they did it because they were absolutely there. It was one of the worst performances I've seen in a long time from a top European team. Um, and to me, to me, that was the killer. Because Milan were 1-0 up. If they'd have won that game, they might have went into the Porto games with a bit more confidence. And Milan were awful in the two games against Porto back-to-back. And you get one point against Porto, with all due respect to Porto, you don't really deserve to go to progress to the round of 16. And from that point on, they're up against it. You know, the best performance was against Atletico uh, in, in, at the Wanda. But I just feel that some... I wrote about this recently in an article for Forbes. For a lot of the players who will be back next season, the likes of Theo Hernandez, Rafael Leao, um, Fikio Tamori... You know, this will be a good building experience for next season. But there's some players, like, they should not be playing Champions League football for Milan. The likes of Krunic, you know, it's like, nah, like you, you can't be starting for a Champions League team in a game that matters. A decent player, but if you bring him on against the Lernitana or Empoli, you don't start him against Liverpool, even if it is Liverpool's second string, most of it. You cannot be starting players like that in... Champions League games and also I'd say another thing this was especially through in the two games against Porto Milan were very lightweight in terms of Porto are a big physical team and you have the legs of Brahim Diaz who's about three foot four and he just get muscled off the ball so easy like he was just brushed aside and it's like Milan needed something more and I think for a lot of these players they were exposed against top quality opposition and then in the game against Liverpool, like if the three of us sat down and we were all told one team has to win to qualify and you didn't know who it was, you would have said, all three of us would have said Liverpool because Milan just were, I, there, were, there was a real lack of urgency. There was no game plan. You're kind of thinking, right, what is Stefano Pioli planning here? Is it, you know, sit tight for 20 minutes and then go all out and attack? But there was nothing. Like, Milan only started to play with five minutes left and it was ready 2-1 down. Liverpool looked like the team that had something to play for and Milan didn't. They were And Ibra was up front and he had no service. You know, Ibra is his only, at this point in his career, he's only as good as the service that he's getting. Milan offered nothing, zero, zilch. He was having to hunt the ball down himself at 40. And it was just, from the start, from the first minute to the last, Milan were just awful. And to be fair, they didn't really deserve to go through. But as Francesco says now, unless they win Serie A, 
they're going to be in pot four again next season, which means uh, uh, more or less, unless the, the draw is very kind to them and they end up in a draw like with like Wolfsburg and Sevilla and Lille, that kind of a group that we got this season, Milan's going to get another very tough group. So they need to buy smarter and better in the summer. And I think they'll, they'll net around 45 million euros for this adventure in the Champions League. But for, to me, some of those players, they, they can't be playing next season in the Champions League because they're not cut out for the, the top level of European football. You mentioned there that, you know, unless Milan do win the league this year, um, that they could they could have a very tricky draw next next season. But Francesco, we saw last season that Inter went out before Christmas out, out of Europe and then barely lost the game after that point and went on to win um, Serie A very comfortably by about 12 points, I think it was. So do you think that on the positive side, this now gives Milan a better chance of going on to win the title this season? I mean, they will have one competition to concentrate on. And so, I mean, if you, if you don't count the Coppa Italia, and, and in theory that could help them. But when you think about it, uh, I think you've only played two more games after Christmas than, than Inter in Europe. So I, I think that the difference between Inter last season and Milan this season is that that Inter team were, were ready to win the league. They were built and ready to win the league. And, um, you know, going out of Europe before Christmas or after Christmas probably didn't make a huge difference to them. And I think that is probably also going to be true of this Milan side. Um, I think if they had played a, another round or another couple of rounds in Europe, I'm not sure that... It, I, I, I'm not one of those people who thinks that it's detrimental to stay in Europe. I, I think it can build morale and and form as much as it can take away in terms of how it uh, makes players tired. So, I, I mean, I can see why some people think it might help them, but really, if if they're not ready to win the league anyway, I, I just don't think it's going to make much of a difference. Um, I'm one of those people who believes they're not ready to win the league, but, um, you know, they could prove me wrong. Uh, I just think the Inter team that last season that went on after they went out of Europe, they they were ready to win the league. They they were the best team in the league. So we'll see what happens, I guess. And I now want to move on to Inter because they also played on Tuesday night. Um, they'd already qualified for the last 16, of course. Uh, for them, it was about playing for top spot. Um, it's, it's, it's been a few years, hasn't it, that Inter have been back in Europe, Emma, and they, they've kept struggling to make it. Do you think that they've made significant steps under Inzaghi this year or, or are there still question marks for you about them in Europe? Well, I mean, they didn't have Conte for a start. <laughs> Conte's Champions League record is terrible. So that was always going to be a good thing, not having it this season. Um, I mean, it's their first time getting to the, the round of 16 for a decade. Um, although they're saying that they were out of the competition for what four or five years, but I mean, you know, Spalletti failed, Conte failed. Um, I think Inzaghi has actually made Inter a more attractive team to watch this season, even with the losses your way, Hakimi and Lukaku. But depending on the draw, I don't think they'll get any further, to be honest. Like, from what I haven't seen a lot of Inter in the Champions League, but they've been good. From my understanding is they were good in both games against Real Madrid four periods of time, but couldn't score. And Real basically then just had the experience, knew how to 
put the ball away were more ruthless than Inter were. I feel like if they come up against, you know, there's a good chance that they'll draw one of the three English sides. And if that happens, they're as good as done, I think. Um, it, it looks, it looks like there's a de- yeah, decent chance of one of the English sides or all Bayern Munich, really, isn't it? So if they, yeah. get, one, if they get one of those, you don't give them much chance? Or are there, are there any of no. the English sides you look at that you think maybe their style could give... I don't know uh, who could they, they either the Manchester clubs a game could they give United a game possibly? Yeah, I would definitely say United, but I do think United would be the only English team where I could see Inter having a chance. But if they get City, Liverpool, or Chelsea, oh no, they can't get Chelsea because they finished second. Yeah, uh, but if they get Liverpool or City or Bayern, I think it's game over. Especially with Barella missing, does he miss both games or does he miss one? I believe it's up to UEFA to decide like how bad they think the offence is. I think it will probably just be a one-match ban, so he should be back to the second leg. Yeah, I, I, I think sometimes UEFA can decide, oh, we're going to give a two-match ban for this or whatever. But uh, my understanding is it, it will probably just be one match. Yeah. So, like, I mean, he's going to be a, a huge loss in midfield because I mean, midfield I think is where Inter kind of struggle in that they have Barella and Brazovic, but the third man. It's always so-so. I mean, Chalalu has come into some decent form, but I don't really rate Chalalu, to be honest. Um, so I think this is probably the end of the road for Inter, to be honest, unless the draw is extremely gained. And who could they end up with? Lille, maybe? Or Ajax? They, they could end up with, yeah, Lille or Ajax are possibilities, yeah. That's probably as good as it gets, I think, for Inter. You know, um, but in saying that, you know, maybe, you know, we can this is me speaking now. In a couple of months, they could actually get even better under Nzagi and they could maybe cause an upset and make it into the, you know, even if they do, you know, get uh, pitted with Bayern or Chelsea, they could surprise us. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I haven't watched enough of Inter in the Champions League to say otherwise. I, uh, I disagree with Emmett a little bit on this. Um, I mean, um, I, you know, what you guys have said, I, I think there is a definite uh, split between the sides that Inter can face in the next round. So I think Man City, Liverpool and Bayern right now are the best three teams in the world. And I think any team who comes up against them is going to struggle. But I do think Inter can compete. Uh, you know, I know they wouldn't be favourites to go through, but I, I don't think it's a lost cause if they do draw one of those sides. I think it's unlikely to go through, but they have a chance. And with the other three, I think, you know, I know that Man- Manchester United on paper have a huge potential, but right now they're not showing it. And I think against Ajax and Lille, Inter probably starts favourites. And I think this this the performance this year in the Champions League from Inter has been significantly better than especially last season when they had almost exactly the same group. I think one of the things Inzaghi has done with this Inter side is he's given them... Um, options when things aren't going that well. It feels like Inter can score goals and change games in more ways than they could under Conte. I think Conte had a a very distinct way of playing and it was also very effective. But when it didn't work, they struggled to kind of break out of that way of playing and, and changing games. And I don't think I think Inter this season, especially in that regard, have really come on under Inzaghi. And um, the game this week against Real Madrid, I think both games against Real Madrid, they they actually probably deserved more than they got. I think um, they were definitely the better team in the first half. Um, in you know this week, 
Um, I think the way they concede the goal is naive, but but overall they they probably should have been ahead at that point. And um, Barella does something really stupid and gets sent off, and you know then that changes the game. Obviously, Real would have run away from it. But I think Inter are at a level where they're able to compete with kind of a Real Madrid level of team. I don't think Real Madrid are one of the best teams. You know, like I said, I think Bayern and Man City and Liverpool are a step ahead of those guys. But I think Inter are probably in that next group. So I, I think they have a chance. I don't think any of the teams who who won their group are going to want to play Inter in the next round. Um, I think it's a tough game. And um, I'd also say, you know, I, I was with Emmett a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, the last time Emmett was on when when we both said we weren't sure about Chanaloglu. I think in the last two or three games, he has come on. And even in this game against Raul, before Inter went, um, went down to 10 players, he played his part, especially in that first half. I think him uh, with Barella and Brozovic, they, they really dominated that midfield. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm more optimistic than I am about Inter's chances going forward. Although I, I do know that if they get City and Liverpool and Bayern, it is you know, and and the other teams. I'm not saying those other teams, United, Ajax, and Lille, are bad, but um, those those first three that that I mentioned there, they they really are probably the best teams in the world right now. So it will be tough. Yeah, I guess the thing with Chalinolu is we saw with Milan last year that he can run a bit hot and cold. So let's see how he is in a couple of months' time. Um, I now want to move on to Juve. Um, and, I, of course, I'll come to you uh, for this, Emmett. Um, they had a, had a very good midweek, actually, in terms of they won their game and Chelsea didn't win theirs, which meant that Juve topped the group and so could well get a favourable draw um, in the next round. What, what did you make of their performance against Malmo, though? O- only a 1-0 win. Not particularly convincing, do you think? No, not even in the slightest. I mean, they dominated the game, but it was almost as if the Juve players had a bet on to try and not score, to keep the game at 1-0, because like, it, it honestly seemed like they were missing chances on purpose, trying not to score. Like, Mike Keane and Alvaro Morata could have scored a hat-trick between them, but just fumbled the ball, hit it wide. The goalkeeper, Manmo's goalkeeper, saved a couple of shots, but, but the, again, that is Juve's problem all year. They have, because Ronaldo left with three days of the transfer window remaining, they have no decent striker. Morata, like we were saying, but John Lundu blowing hot and cold. I think nobody epitomizes that more than Alvaro Morata, who looks world-class one game and then looks like a Serie D striker the next game. You know, he just, like, he just goes from one end of the spectrum to the next. And the performance against Malmo from him was definitely, like, a Serie D level striker. He was just the ball was bouncing off him. He couldn't control it. He couldn't pass it. Um, and I mean, it was a lovely bit of play from Bernadeschi, you know, outside of the foot cross and good header from my scheme. But Juve did enough to get through, you know. I mean, they were through anyway, but it wasn't the greatest of performances. And then obviously it got better because Chelsea, you know, Zenit held Chelsea to a three all draw. I, as far as, you know, where could Juve go? If they get a favourable draw, but in saying that, you know, last year they got put out against Porto, the year before, Ajax, you know, they, Juve haven't been put out by juggernauts the last couple of seasons. It's actually been, their best performances have been against far better teams than them and they've kind of went back to being underdogs and, you know, showing the Grinta, that's the Juve DNA. When they're favourites, they don't do well. But in saying that, on the other side of the draw, what does PSG and Atletico the only teams that are kind of 
of a similar stature. So you could end up, I don't know, like sporting or a, t- a team of that, that you know, elk. So, I mean, you get a favourable draw there, you're in the quarterfinal, but I mean, if they if they get one of, you know, City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Bayern, ah, I mean, they beat Chelsea, obviously, in Turin, and I thought Juve had turned a corner after that game, but subsequently we learned that, now nah, they didn't really, because, I mean, they lost, what, the Sassuolo, they lost to Verona, um, you, I don't. I honestly could not tell you what shape you will be in come February. I really don't. <laughs> I, 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 but the lack of goals is going to be an issue until the summer, until they can buy a proper striker. Unless they happen to sign Dusan Blahovic in January. I've read reports that they might go all in and try and sign him in January. Whether Fiorentina let him leave mid-season or not, it's a different matter. But somehow you've topped that group. I don't know how. <laughs> Yeah, what, what I um, do you, what do you sorry, sorry Frank, what, what do you think about Moise Keane then? You mentioned him there, and, but it sounds like you don't fancy him if you think you've uh, you've any another striker. I mean, there's talent there, there's raw potential there, but I don't know. I mean, to be fair, Allegri really hasn't started him that much. He has all the attributes, but I don't know. I mean, against Malmo, for example, he should have been more clinical. Like, there's one chance he missed. He was about four yards out. All he had to do is the goalkeeper to beat. And he just he just hit the ball straight at him. You know, instead of maybe dinking it or placing it into this either corner, he just drove it straight at him. It's just small things like that. We just think, I don't know, is he really good enough to be playing at Juve's level? And then at the same time, when he was at PSG last season, he was scoring goals for fun, even in the Champions League. Um, so I don't know, maybe he just needs a string of games, you know, to get some continuity, to get rhythm. You know, he starts one game and then he doesn't start for another six. Yeah, that, that, that's that's what, uh, to me, I see, like, I agree, I see huge potential in Moise Keane. And I think he just needs games. I think he needs to play kind of five games in a row. And yeah. Um, I, you know, talking about Juve, I actually think uh, I know that they, the opponents they've played in the last three games have been, you know, not the best. But I do think they turned a corner in the sense that it feels to me like Allegri has finally found a formation where he's able to get the best out of his best players. Like I really like that he's now playing two defensive midfielders, Bentancur and, and Locatelli. I know they didn't play that way this in midweek, but in the Serie A matches, that's how he played with with Dybala ahead of them and. Um, yeah. I think, you know, Bernardeschi on one side and, and when Kiesa is back, um, you know, with Cuadrado is, is, as, as a fullback, I think that is how you were going to be better this season. So, we'll see, I mean, they've, they've played some pretty rubbish teams in the last few weeks and picked, pulled out some results. We'll see if uh, come, when the Champions League comes around again, if, if they're in better form. I, I think, you know, I agree with you. They, they have a chance of getting to, a good chance of getting to the quarterfinals, but... Um, you know, like we've all said, that there are some super teams in there, so it's going to be tough. Yeah, I think I think the move to a four-two-three-one suits. Like the four-four-two was horrendous. Like having Rabio playing left wing, uh, that give me nightmares for weeks. <laughs> so I'm glad he's moved away from that now, and he's you know he's he's obviously trying to build around the ball and obviously to a double pivot, um, and obviously Yeki is back in the new year. And you, you, you hope Juve will be in better shape and better form than they are, you know, over the last couple of months. 
as again, you know, that, that's the thing. We're speaking now in December. Come February, you know, things could be completely different. Juve could actually sign a striker in January. Maybe he's, you know, he's able to play in the Champions League. Maybe not. And it's saying that, you know, it could be a completely different story come, you know, the springtime. And they could actually, you know, granted if they get a nice draw, they could make a semi-final, you know, all being well. But in saying that, I don't have really high hopes of getting back into the Champions League next year, <laughs> unless they happen to win it, because I can't say they're making top four. I'd be very surprised if UV made top four this year. Yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting to to keep an eye on Juve, uh, certainly. But but yeah, manage to top their group, and if they do get a favourable draw, they could go a little bit further than they have the last couple of seasons. Um, on to Atalanta, who were the last team in action because their game got snowed off on Wednesday, um, and then they played Thursday. I quite fancied them going into this game, Francesco, but it it, it didn't work out. They've been in excellent form in the league. Um, recently with wins over um, Juve and Napoli. Where did it go wrong for them on Thursday? I, uh, yeah, I mean, this this result to me is a lot more disappointing than, than Milan's Champions League campaign. I think going into this group, I know that they weren't uh, one of the first or second seeds, but Atalanta should have got out of this group. Um, I, I know that Villarreal are a decent team, but I don't think they're as good as Atalanta. And to me, where it went wrong is that for the first time probably since they've been in the Champions League, it felt like they were feeling real pressure. I think they they knew they were probably the favourites. They knew it was a group they they should be getting out of. Whereas until now in Europe, for them, it's been, you know, this is all just fun for us. We're, you know, we're plucky underdogs. And and that that is no longer the case. They're they're a legit Champions League type uh, side. So I think they really were feeling the pressure yesterday. and yeah, I mean, the mistake from Demiral is is significant, I think, but that is also born out of the fact that they were feeling that pressure and there was kind of, they were kind of desperate from the start to score, whereas I don't know if they really needed to be like that. And I do think that Gasperini probably, you know, I don't really understand his team selection. I think Pasalic has been in such good form, but for me, especially Malinovsky, going into a game like this where you know the other team is going to defend... And he must be one of the best goal scorers of goals from distance. And, you know, all the other qualities he brings, you know, he's so good on dead ball, from dead ball situations. So for him not to start, to start Ilicic, yeah, that, that didn't convince me at all. I think, I think probably they, they got the approach to the game wrong in the terms that they were, they were too psyched up. They were too ready to attack when, when they probably didn't need to be, there didn't need to be that much urgency right at the start. And that cost them. And then, um, yeah, I do think that Gasparini got a couple of things wrong, but, yeah, uh, that's that's probably where I think they they fell away. And then once you go three 0 down, it's it's obviously very difficult. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, you say the first time they felt pressure. I think the only other time I can remember was their actual first ever Champions League game when they lost four 0 to Dynamo Zagreb. I don't know if you remember that, but that was yeah. just ridiculous. And again, you I guess you could only put that down to sort of them feeling the pressure a bit because there's no way they're significantly worse than Dinamo Zagreb and they, and they proved that when they played them again later in the group I remember um, but they, they now drop into the Europa League and it's a bit different with the Europa League this year with this new playoff round and everything but um, Emmett 
is this now a competition that you think Atalanta should really target? Like maybe this could be a, a good piece of silverware for them to win because we've seen clubs, you know, like Atletico Madrid initially and then Sevilla have sort of made their name off the Europa League in recent years. Could, could Atalanta go that way and really give it a try to win it this time around? Uh, well, I don't think they'll win it because Sevilla's in their own tournament now yeah. and Sevilla always win the Europa League. So, you know, they, they might make the final, but Sevilla always win. So, um, I mean, I don't see why not. Like, if if they still want to give it a good go, I don't see many teams better in the tournament than Atlanta. You know, it depends. You always, with Italian teams, it always, you have to factor in how seriously they want to take it. If Atalanta go full out, I don't see why they couldn't at least get to a semi-final. Um, I mean, I know the likes of Barcelona's in the tournament, but how seriously they'll take it, I don't know. You know, And obviously you have Napoli in there, you have Lazio in there, um, West Ham will be a team to watch out for, and you still have the Champions League dropout teams. Um, but kind of just to go back to what Francesco was saying about the last night's game, I was so frustrated watching Atalanta because they should have, I mean, to be honest, they should have qualified from this the group a long time ago. Like they were leading, I think in every game they were leading at various points. But yeah, that's hold right. On. Every game they led other than the Villarreal match, that's right. And, and, and I think for long periods they outplayed Man United and only got one yeah, point and, from those two games. And, well, how, how they didn't win the game in Bergamo was it was a joke, really, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah I, I get like, your point definitely. Like just obviously, you you know what you get, Atalanta. You know, attacking wise they're brilliant, but defensively they're atrocious. And I mean, they were chasing the game after about a minute. Demerol makes a stupid mistake. He's way out of position. Like he's like literally on the edge periphery of Villarreal's box, and. He tries to chase a ball. He doesn't get it. And then there's a huge gap. And then uh, Dajuma goes up and scores. And that's in two minutes. And then they're chasing the game. And as like Francesco said, not starting Malinowski. You know, he, he started uh, Gasparini, started Piscina instead, which I thought was a big mistake. And then, you know, a bit like Milan against Liverpool, Atlanta then started to play with, what, 20 minutes left. And they're already 3-0 down. Like you're chasing the game far too late. The game management was completely lacking. There were after Villarreal scored the first one, it was a good 10, 15 minutes actually where Atlanta woke in and thought, all right, they'll turn this around. But then they got the second four off time. And I was like, nah, that's it's done. Like they're not turning this around. And it's so frustrating because Atlanta were more than good. Atlanta actually should have topped the group, but they only sparkled in patches. They, they couldn't maintain a full game for 90 minutes and that's a frustrating thing yeah very disappointing for them but they'll drop into the Europa League and we'll see how they get on after Christmas in that so it was a mixed week overall with the Champions League two teams going through two teams not but in terms of Europa League it actually went very well didn't it Francesco um Lazio and Napoli have both made it through to the next round. Napoli's group in particular was really tight, wasn't it? Um, I found it quite funny, actually, that they they and Spartak Moscow went through in the end because they those two teams seem to have a bit of a, 
weird rivalry throughout the competition with Spalletti not shaking the hands and there was a few things going back and forth on social media. But but overall, that's quite a good jo- uh, job well done by Napoli, considering that group also contained Leicester, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the, the yesterday what impressed me is how many players, you know, how many first-team players they're missing really at the moment. Um, I think Leicester had a strong team out and... At this moment in time, with all the injuries they've had, we talked about how Milan might um, gain some advantage from not being in Europe. I'm sure that in some Napoli fans' eyes, and possibly even the club itself, it might have been tempted to just say, let's just forget about Europe this season. Um, But the fact that they seem to care so much, and without Insigne, without Koulibaly, uh, you know, without Ruiz, against the good Leicester side, um, I think the Spalletti still put out a pretty good team considering the players he had. So, And, you know, at the end, the way he dived on the floor, what he said after the game about how people consider Napoli a team that, you know, melts away when, when things get difficult and how they showed some backbone. It, it seems like they're taking this competition quite seriously. And, you know, we, we just uh, spoke about Atalanta and how whether, whether they should take the competition seriously. For me, everyone should be taking this competition seriously. Um I do feel like the Italian sides over the last 20 years, uh, I'm ashamed to say, have not done a good job in the Europa League. And it, um, it, is, it is poor that when you think about some of the leagues that have managed to win this competition, uh, you know, the last team to win it for, for Italy was Parma, I think, in 1999 or, or something like that. So they're due a, a result in this competition. I think Napoli and Atalanta and to a lesser extent Lazio have got a real chance, if they take the competition seriously, of, of going deep. The problem yeah. always the Europa League is that the financial incentive isn't really there to take the competition seriously. Like, if they go on, if Napoli, say, go on now and win the competition, they only pocket, like, 15 million euros. Where if you play six Champions League games, win none of them, and still go out, you earn, like, 35 to 40 million euros. You know? So the disparity in money is between the two competitions is ridiculous. And then UEFA wonders why clubs don't take the Europa League seriously. Well, because there's no financial incentive to take it seriously. And then you have the Thursday-Sunday dynamic. Or, you know, in Italy sometimes it may be like a Thursday and then a Monday night. But yeah, like I'm with Francesco. If Napoli decide to go all in, there's no reason why they can't win it. And if, you know, what impressed me most about that performance last night was that, like, look at the team they put out. And look who was on the bench. They had no one on the bench because everyone was injured. Koulibaly, Anguissa, Insigne, Ossiman, Fabian Ruiz, you know, so many of their starters were out. But yet, and, you know, once once Leicester pulled it back to 2-2, I kind of thought, oh, Napoli are going to capitulate here. I expected, you know, Leicester to go on and win. But Napoli then scored the third, controlled the game, could have scored more and... It was good to see them go through because I really expected them to, to end up losing. Yeah, in the end, re- really impressive from Napoli with, with the goals from Adam Unas and, and Elmas as well. Guys, we haven't seen that much this season, but but they really stepped up. Um, I know that you said, Francesco, that you think all teams should take it seriously, and, and I understand that. But from a Lazio perspective, that squad's really thin, isn't it? I think we saw that recently with, you know, like Patrick starting centre-back. And, you know, I don't think Patrick's really good enough to start at right-back in a Serie A side, let alone centre-back. 
yet he seems to be third choice centre back for Lazio. And, and with Luis Felipe getting injured, picking up his remote control, um, <laughs> it seems Patrick's going to end up playing quite a few games. So, do you think that Lazio should still definitely take it really seriously and risk all these injuries that could possibly occur, or should Sari put all his eggs in the basket of trying to finish in the top four? No, I definitely think they should be taking it seriously because otherwise, what's the point of doing anything? I mean, I, I understand what Emmett's saying about the financial... I, I'm, I'm with you as well. I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, way. sure. Yeah. I understand what Emmett's saying about the financial thing, but but the and, and I also am totally aware that in football, the biggest contributing factor to success is is the financial factor. You know, if you do not have the money, you're not going to get anywhere. That's basically what it comes down to. You know, the best teams in the world that we mentioned, they're also the richest teams in the world. So I know why finance is so important, but it's also a pain in the ass to just be thinking about finance all the time, about how much money you're going to make from getting to the last 16 of the, of the Champions League and whether it's worth carrying on with the Europa League. It's rubbish. And for a team like Lazio, who realistically, whatever happens with this, their season, they're not going to get into the top four in Italy. There are too many sides that are better than them. This is a chance for them to do something. You know, the UEFA Cup, the Europa League, whatever you want to call it, is is a for me it's it's a good competition it's got a, an important history and some of the best players in the world have, have won this competition but also i do think that it can provide a stepping stone to greater things we've seen teams like sevilla we've seen teams like atletico madrid really build a european reputation in the europa league really build a european coefficient in the europa league to then go on to use that in the champions league to get easier draws to make progress and to grow their following you know I'm sure that, you know, I suppose it's different for, for European fans who kind of have experienced European football all their, li- all their lives. But in, in markets that increasingly mean something to, to how football goes because of the financial factor that they bring in. So I'm talking about the US, I'm talking about uh, the Far East, wherever, Africa, wherever. Who, what are you going to notice more? A team that gets to the last 16 of the Champions League or the team that wins the Europa League? You know, you're going to pick up fans. You're going to pick up a following. You are going to pick up some marketing points at least. So there is definitely, a, a, you know, and I hate to think of it that way. It should just be about winning the UEFA Cup. But if you need to have those factors to make you, to motivate you to do something, then there's also a, a plus side from that point of view. And for Lazio, I, I definitely, you know, they're not going to get into the top four. It's, it's, I'd be amazed if they did. So play, you know, do as well as you can in the, in the UEFA Cup. You you have a chance. Yeah, I yeah. Like I was saying earlier about, I don't think Juve could reach the top four. Lazio have no chance, zero. <laughs> <laughs> like so, I'm with Francesco. They should go all in on the Europa League and see how far they get because that's their best chance of getting into the Champions League because they have <laughs> no chance of doing it the traditional route. But yeah, I, 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 know, I we, really we, hope so that. Just Sorry, quickly, we're, we're talking about Lazio. It's not a specific thing to Lazio. I, I think this is about Roma. I think this is about Napoli. I think this is about Atalanta. You know, I would have been thinking this about Milan and the Inter if, if they dropped in or, or Juve, whoever. If you get into that competition, it is a good competition. And in the end, you know, good good teams win it and it and it does help them going forwards. Like, look at VRL this season. They got um, they, they won the Europa League last season. It means they were f- seeded first. So, I mean, they ended up with quite a tough group in the end, but an easier group than they could, would have had. And now they're in, they are in the last 16 of the Champions League and they are making money as well from, from that Europa League victory. It's all, it all stems from that. Yeah, it, w- it would be great to see an, an Italian side go on and win it because I think, realistically, 
none of us think a Serie A side's going to win the Champions League. So to, to do well in, in the second um, European competition would, would be great to see, as we saw Inter make the final last year, of course, didn't we? Um, I want to move on to Europa Conference League quickly. Roma have made the next round of that. Um, I think we're all still getting used to what the Europa Conference League is, really. Um, but... I want to touch on Mourinho, really, Emmett, because it's again, it's sort of been about him this week that they were dire against Inter, weren't they? And, and, and got battered. And then he didn't really answer any questions after that, other than to tell a journalist, I get paid more than you because my job's trickier. Um, I, don't know it, 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 I don't know about that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it feels like um, he has one good week, then one bad week. Do you, do you feel this is all going to end in tears with Mourinho or can he get a positive outcome out of this Roma side? It's so difficult to say. I mean, I'm kind of with Mourinho to an extent that this squad is not good enough. And Francesco Totti has come out and said that there's no champions in this current Roma squad. But... By the same token, Roma have spent spent more last summer than any team in Serie A. So Mourinho can't turn around and say, oh, this team's not, the squad's not good enough when you spent close to 100 million euros. Um, but he seems to be like pressing the self-destruct button quicker than normal. Like I kind of expected this behaviour from Mourinho maybe like in March, but he's doing it in November. <laughs> you know, he's he's, he's fast-tracking his process of just throwing players under the bus and complaining about referees and you know, complaining about decisions. And I, I, I actually thought it would be a perfect fit. You know, a, a team with a big history, but a team with a brittle mentality who have underperformed for decades. And I thought that Mourinho would come in and sort this out. But I think he might get the season, depending on how far or how good Roma do. If they finish fifth or sixth and go well, go far in the Conference League, maybe even win it. I think he could get a second season, but if he doesn't, and if results keep on this downward trajectory, I would say the freaking group would maybe just give him the year and then replace him in the summer. The thing I've sort of noticed, though, is it seems that the Roma fans are really behind him. They really want him him to do well. Um, and we've seen a couple of times this season, you know, I, I remember early on, what was it, maybe like the third game of the season when they beat Sassuolo with a last-minute winner. And it, it felt like, oh, he's building something here. But since then... As I said, it's one week up, one week down. So it's a really strange one, Roma. They're another side who it looks like they're not going to get top four, isn't it? It's, you know, fifth or sixth is the best they can do. And whether that's good enough, you know, I, I guess that's for the owners to decide. But, but think, already think... already that gap is opening. What, what I would say about Mourinho, and I might be wrong about this, uh, but is in, in a similar way to, to what Allegri has at Juventus, they are being paid so much money that I think it's very unlikely that Roma decide to fire them and then have to pay the rest of their contracts. And so the chances are he is going to get a bit of time. I also agree with you, Sam. I, I feel like the, the people of Roma, the Roma fans, have really taken to Mourinho. And he is, you know, he is a fun character. Whether, whether you like him or not, he brings something. Yeah. And I, I also think he's a decent manager. You know, he's, he's won a lot of stuff. Uh, people say he's rubbish now, but you don't win those things without knowing a little bit about what you're doing. And this is a young side um, with with potential. So I think, you know, I hope he gets the time and I think he could build something at Roma still. And maybe it wouldn't be right to judge him on this first season, however it goes. 
the biggest problem for Roma and Rini right now is not so much what they're doing, because I think they've done okay so far. It's the fact that there is it is the most competitive it's ever been at the top of Serie A. I think the, both Milan clubs have got their acts together at the same time, and now they're a real force. Um, you know, Atalanta still very strong. I, I, you know, Juve, whilst they're struggling this season, they economically they have so much more to offer than the rest of the clubs in Serie A that the chance of them, you know, falling away for a long period of time is, is remote. And, and Napoli as well. So there's so many teams trying to get into that top four that Roma have to be better than one of those sides to do it, at least one of those sides to do it, probably more than one of those sides. So that in itself is very, very difficult. And, you know, I agree with you both that this season that is it's very unlikely that happens. But if a couple of those teams, you know, do fall away next season, which could happen, you never know, then, then maybe Mourinho could do something. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I do think he's probably going to be there for a while unless he decides to jack it in. But he would be turning away so much money. And for Roma to get rid of him, they'd have to spend so much money that I, I think that's unlikely. He earns, I think he and Allegri earn the most. It's like 7 million euros a year. I think that the, the two highest paid coaches in Italy. So yeah, like, and he signed, what, a three-year deal. So you're paying him 14 million if you sack him next summer. Exactly. Another two years left. So like, that's a lot of money. And then you bring in another manager on their staff. And so, yeah, Roma probably, as you say, Francesco, they are in a position now where they like it or not, they have to go all in with Mourinho. Yeah, quite possibly. We'll, we'll have to see how that one plays out. But it seems to be a week-by-week soap opera, so we'll be following it closely. Um, I now want to move on um, to talk about the title race because it, it seems appropriate. Um, you, you mentioned, Francesco, how it's so... Um, so competitive at the top of Serie A right now. Um, and we have four teams who are four who are separated by four points after 16 games. So we're nearing the halfway point in the season. So I'll, I'll come to Emmett first on this. Which, which team are you are you sort of most confident are going to be there all the way to the end in, in this? I mean, at the moment, it's a four-horse title race. Is there a side that you're like, they're going to be there till the end for sure? I reckon now, because they're out of Europe, Milan or Milan, because literally they just have to play one game a week. You know, like their squad, I don't think their squad was big enough to handle three competitions. You know, Coppa Italia, it is what it is. <laughs> Francesco's going to get angry here. Like, <laughs> they're in it. They just have to win it to you know, play it, take it seriously. But, you know, I mean, we all, the three of us know the Coppa Italia, teams don't take it seriously till like the semi final. So, Milan now can put all their eggs in the Scudetto basket. They play it once a week for you know most for the for the remaining months of the year or for the season more or less. You know if you get Rafael Leao fit, you get Teo Hernandez fit. You you know Frank Cassi finally starts playing some football again and forgets you know about the contract stuff. I def- because now they're out of it. I do think Milan will be there definitely. I could put my hand in my heart and say they will definitely be there thereabouts. They're the one club that would be a certainty. Inter probably because their squad is just too big. Their squad depth is just too good. Napoli and Atalanta, I think, kind of depends on how far they go in the Europa League. Yeah, I, I mean... Give I, us a top four, Emma. Give us a top four. On, in December, Francesco, come on. <laughs> Based on what you've seen so far, you know, we won't, we won't, uh, we won't hold you to it. Yeah, I, 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 pro- honest, I promise I'm not writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if we're just talking top four in no order, 
I oh, no, we, we want an order. No. Yeah, we want, want an order. An, <laughs> we can oh, all give top four in no order. There's a seven-point <laughs> gap to fix. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, I'll right. See, in my in my heart, I want Napoli to win it because it's a different team and they haven't won it in so long since the days of Diego. I would love Napoli to do it. I just think they might fall away. So I'm gonna go Milan, Inter, Napoli, Atalanta. Okay, so yeah, that's the current order as it stands. But yeah, I said it's it's very tight. Um, so I'm going to come to you now, Francesco. And it, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Milan and Napoli opened up quite a gap at one point, but you know, slowly that's been whittled down. I mean, I, I think at one stage Atalanta were 12 points adrift or something. Now it now it's down to four. <clears throat> but on a on a different uh, trajectory, I'm going to ask. Is there a team that you're quite confident will fall away out of those four teams that you, that you don't think will last the pace? Um, I'm not confident that any of them will, will fall away, but I think the ones most susceptible to that are probably Milan, first and foremost, because I think they... I, I do think they're better than last season when they did fall away and they have more depth, but... I still think they so far have been punching above their weight. Um, and I think I don't feel that as much, certainly with Inter and Atalanta, but, uh, and also Napoli, Napoli to a lesser extent. I do, I do think there's a chance they might fall away, but I also think that they, they seem to have a more complete squad than Milan. And, um, you know, I feel like they're ready to, to, to sustain the title race at the end of the season. I feel like with Milan, it's, it's a bit more fragile. I, I don't really know why, because, they have uh, they have played well this season, and um, even in some really big games, they put in some great performances, like like in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid. But I do feel like they are the most susceptible to things kind of going wrong and maybe having a run of games where where they pick, where they don't pick up any results. And so I, I think you know my next question, Francesco. I'm now going to ask you to name your top four in order. Yeah, in order. <laughs> I think Inter. Uh, are the best team in Serie A uh, this season. Um, I think it's probably, and they've cut they've cut the gap enough to to make me think that it's probably theirs to lose. I know they're not first, which sounds like wrong to say that, but they they have the most complete squad. I think if everyone is fit, they probably have the best starting eleven as well. Um, so I'd say them first. Um, after that, I think it's, it's much... Uh, and, and that is not clear-cut. You know, I'm not saying that someone else can't win it. I just say they, they probably are the favourites. The rest is very difficult. Um, you know, until, until the game against Villarreal, I was feeling very strongly about how Atalanta might be the team, you know, to challenge Inter the most. But I think all the other teams feel like they're more susceptible to dropping off. So, you know, you push me for a top four. I'll go Inter, Napoli, Atalanta... And then Milan, you know, I, I'm still not sure about Juve not making the top four. I feel like Juve, they're always they're always there at the end. So they, you know, they've got a lot of points to make up. But um, I do feel like they're they're going to improve. But yeah, I'll, I'll say uh, so: Inter, Napoli, Atalanta, Milan. Yeah, well, if you, if you think Juve could catch Milan, that's an eleven point turnaround, so significant. But but they have 
you know, I, I think a couple of weeks ago it was 16 points maybe. So they have already started to close that gap a little bit. Um, and of course, you know, actually the, the gap between sort of fifth and mid table is really close. You've got the likes of Fiorentina, Roma, Lazio and even Bologna and Verona. So really, really quite tight for those sort of Europa League places. Um Final part of the show, we're, we're just coming up to the weekend. Are you saying um, no? Come on, before we move on, I want the top four. What was that, sorry? Before we move on, let's have your top four. My top four? Oh, you want me to name my top four? Oh, God, this is tough. In order. In order. Um, I'm going to go... I'd also really like to see Napoli maybe do it, but I'm concerned with injuries and AFCON coming up. So my top four is Inter, Milan, Atalanta, Napoli. Okay. That is fine. But um, four four different top fours, which is interesting. It could could well change. We'll review this at the end of the season and see who was the closest out of the three of us. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll give you guys one more chance to revise your predictions around sort of February time or something. Maybe that would be fairer. After AFCON, Europe starting up again, and then with about 10 games to go, I'll get you to go for it. Um, So, yeah. But last part of the show, we're going to finish off with the weekend matches coming up. Um, Of course, tonight, we're we're recording this Friday night, and there's the Genoa uh, Genoa derby tonight. Um, but uh, Francesco first, are there any games that sort of stand out to you that you think um, people should be looking out for? Um, I don't know that there are any real standout games this weekend. I think what is interesting is that um, kind of all the teams that we've just mentioned who are kind of fighting for a top four place or, or possibly in the Scudetto race have games that are very winnable. Um, so in itself, that presents a bit of pressure. And I think coming off this midweek as well where a few of those sides have struggled um you know it's going to be interesting to see i, I think especially in there i think that is I, i'm interested because for, for them things have been going so well for kind of a couple of months and whilst you know they still qualify in europe it's the first game where they've had a bit of a setback you know barella got sent off uh, against Real. it'll be interesting to see if they come back as strong as they have been in the last few league games that they played how, how I should have said who they were playing. Yeah. Yeah. How how about you, Emmett? Probably the Derby della Lanterna tonight. Um, obviously Friday night as we're recording this. Um, yeah, it's one of those weekends where there's not really a kind of a standout fixture. Um I mean Juve away to Venezia would be a tricky game. You know, Juve have slipped up the the lost what three three they've lost like at home to Empoli. I don't miss a swallow. They've lost to Verona. They've lost a lot of the smaller teams this season. So, I mean, this could be another potential slip-up for Juve. So, that might be a game to kind of keep an eye out for. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll have to see that those games where, you know, sort of Juve have to take the initiative, I suppose, the ones that, that they have struggled in. So, yeah, as, as you said, no sort of standout games, but we'll hopefully get some five and seven goal thrillers as, as we do tend to every week in Serie A. So definitely one for everyone to watch out for again. Um, thanks for joining me, Francesco. And thank you for joining me, Emma. Another really fun episode. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you again soon. Ciao.